Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. So I was having a conversation with one of the advisors that I work with, and we just just talking about just people in general. And it's it's hard to get people to learn. You know, you learn something, and it's how easily we forget it. It's just so easy to forget concepts. And, and you know, I've, I've had people say, oh, you know, I get this, I get this, I get this. And then, you know, a year later, like, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, if we've lost, if we've learned something through emotion, we've really kind of lost and really had it hit home, we learn something a lot better. And because one of the things I often talk about is I try to appeal to logic, though, when I teach. So, for, exa- for example, if I look at investing and I go, what am I doing? I'm letting people use my money. Well, there's a cost to use money. You know, they, I got to pay. If it's, let's say, a bond, they got to pay interest. If it's real estate, you, you got to pay rent. If you have a company stock, you've got to pay earnings. You know, so there is a cost to use capital. Now, this is where I try to appeal to logic. If the risk seems higher, what would you do as an investor? Would you demand more return or less return? And if you have any sense, you'd say, I demand more return. There's more risk. I need more return. And then what we do is, like in, you know, like in America, what we tend to be enamored with is large U.S. stocks. And this is something I've talked about before, but it bears repeating. You go to Japan, and they're more enamored with Japanese companies. You go to Australia, they're more enamored with Australian companies, and so on and so forth. But we tend to be enamored with that which would, what we're familiar with. And if we think about it, what types of companies would have less risk from an investing standpoint? Typically big, well-established U.S. companies. So it would stand to reason that because there's less risk, I should have less return. Now, what happens, and this is part that won the Nobel Prize, is if I put things together that move in dissimilar fashion, in other words, I own one area of the market over here and I own something else over here, that uh, moves in a dissimilar way, like maybe the demand for it is different. You know, so if I, and I always use the example of bathing suit sales and winter coat sales because just people get it, right? If I can do that, then what I can do is I can reduce overall risk. So what I can do is put things together that don't move with each other. And even though one thing that I'm putting in the portfolio may have more risk than the other thing that's there, my risk can come down if they don't move together. Okay, so that's the idea. And we see that throughout history. We saw value stocks when the tech bubble went, you know, kaput in 2000, 2001, 2002. We saw value stocks fare that quite well. Small value stocks, quite well, no problems. But a lot of people didn't own them because the previous period of time wasn't that great for those areas of the market. This is especially international. Like if you look at the S&P 500 and you say, what if I invested in the S&P 500 from the beginning of 1995 through the end of 1999? A dollar would have more than tripled in value. 
literally $1 grows to $3.51. Okay, so if you look at the S&P 500 data, this is, you know, there are no, no expenses. This is not an index fund. It's just the index, okay? Now, what happened in, you know, there's a, a, an indice, you know, the International Small Value, DFA International Small Value Portfolio, uh, you know, basically over that same period of time, it stayed flat, no return. Uh, international Small Company Index, Dimensional Small, International Small Index, I'm using as my, my proxy here for international small companies, dollar grew to a buck 33. You know, it, it grew 30%. Versus growing to 351, which you know you look at that and go, well, you know, I'll take I'll take 250% return. Yeah, that's 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 better. You know, so you look at that and go, wow, there's a big difference between those. So when we look at the data, we would say, just stick with what you know. Large U.S. companies, that's the way to go, and that's exactly what investors did. Because the investment advisors were more recommending large U.S. stocks at that time. And it's easy because it's familiar and, and has a great return. Why would you want to do anything else? And I remember one very famous investment manager that actually represented a very famous mutual fund company, Vanguard. <laughs> oh, yep, I said it. Uh, and, and what happened is he basically said, I don't see any reason to own international stocks. You know, there was, I don't need no reason. And over that, over the next, you know, from 2000 through 2010, large U.S. stocks, dollar grows to a dollar five. Small value stocks, dollar grows to three forty four. Oh, the tables have turned. And for international small, two ninety six. So you look at that and go, whoa, wait a minute, big difference. You know, over a two hundred percent return with one, and and just under two hundred percent return with the other. Now, if you look at the whole period of time from 2000 through 2023, and you look at that, you say, well, S&P 500, 444, not bad. Well, inter international small value, 632, so better, and then 577, better with small international. But those asset categories that not just, I'm, so I'm not just cherry picking time periods, I'm looking at the whole period of time up through May, of 2023, that's what I have the data on, you know, as, I, as of right now. If you look at that and go, well, I would have thrown those other asset categories out and I wouldn't have touched them with a 10-foot pole. Now, if we look at long-term data for S&P, you know, go back 50 years, you got 10.3, right? And this is what people are enamored with. Well, you look at that and say, well, what's the difference between that and large value stocks? Well, 12.6. So you look at that and go a little bit over 2% return. If you, and that's 50 years. I didn't do the data. I didn't do the math on this. But, you know, if you just take a 20-year period and you have a 2% higher return, it's, it's over a 40% difference in accumulation. Pretty significant. U.S. small companies, uh, U.S. Uh, dimensional U.S. small index is what I'm using here, uh, 13, about 13% 13 return. Well, there's almost 3% return right there. And then you've got small value, 15.2. And you, and you look at these asset categories, the international small, uh, you're looking at um, about 12 over that period of time. Uh, and you look at large international, it's about 10. So you look at these asset categories and, and I, you know, I don't normally like talking returns like this, just, but sometimes I've just got to use that stuff to get it, to get you to get the idea that these various asset categories, none of the returns were terrible. 
And it didn't require any stock picking. It didn't require any market timing. It was just being there. But here's the problem. And we don't think we're market timing when we move out of like a diversified portfolio into a concentrated portfolio of real estate or large U.S. stocks or, you know, whatever. But here's the shiny object I was talking about. We get pulled in by what did well recently. Five years is like this magic number with me. I find it. I find that people get sucked in by five-year data. It's like an eternity, but it's nothing. As we just talked about, we looked at the five-year return of the S&P from, from 95 through you know, the end of 1999, that five-year period, and you go, wow, it way outperformed everything else. Why do anything else? And then you look, you can go forward now 24 years almost, and you go, whoa, wait a minute, that's a big difference. So we get sucked in by this stuff, and it's terrible we get sucked in by this stuff, but that's the way it works, our stinking thinking. And then on top of our stinking thinking, then you've got the investment industry that goes and waves these little shiny objects in front of us. They're just like fisher people, fishermen, fishing, fisherwomen, <laughs> and, and they, they're out there fishing for you using your own instincts and your own emotions. And a lot of times, I don't even think that they realize it. I think they're just as duped as anybody else. I remember when I was a broker, I was just as duped as anybody else. I was told, hey, use this track record. Look at this, you know, use this. And we could actually use track record of funds in the sales process. And we were encouraged to do it. And that's basically what happened. We were encouraged to do it. And then we, and then all of a sudden, that's when I got frustrated because they were telling us to recommend certain funds. And then they would go on and they would do terrible. They would be awful. And yet, that was what we were told to sell. So, get the idea that your instincts and our emotions are going to be your worst enemy. And sometimes you just got to put your fingers in your ears because recognize that people are going to try to use that against you because they're going to use that emotion. Remember I said what changes minds, emotions? Sometimes it can be used against you as well. Hey guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. How and why to cut off your adult children financially. Adult children that are on the dole, you may want to tune out. <laughs> Maybe familiar with the saying that the road, the road to the hot place is paved with good intentions, but as a certified financial planner for decades, I can safely say that the road to financial stress is also paved with good intentions. Uh, in the form of helping their adult children financially, many parents add to the young adult's financial long-term issues and stress as well as their own. 
Not only some parents are jeopardizing their own financial future with this support, as I always say, yeah, you know, put the mask on yourself first. That's the idea here. Put the mask on you first, then put it on the kid or, you know, whoever's flying with you, right? Uh, but they, they're not only doing that, but they're rendering the adult children inept when it comes to money. I mean, it's, I guess it's, I guess it's the theme for this hour is that emotion is where insight comes from, you know, where, where real growth comes from, where is if I go through something that's painful and difficult and trying, that's when I learn. And it says, you know, consider those parents who give a large amount for a house down payment without wondering if their adult child's income will suffice to maintain the home or the parents providing money so frequently that they do not learn to manage their own day-to-day income or learn from their mistakes. Yeah, so that's it. It's just not learning from mistakes and then you don't go through the trials yourself. It's really hard, you know, when you're just basically given something to really appreciate it. And they talked about people, here's the things that they talk about, paying for large expenses for your adult children so they don't have loans, paying for cell phones, insurances, ongoing expenses, preparing the income taxes, including gathering information for the accountant. And it does, it's it's kind of an enabling and it, it's like part of why we go through challenges in life because it makes us stronger. So I agree with the premise on that. Really something to think about. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.